0: Good morning, Mercy. So great to see each and every one of you today. So glad that you could join us today. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come? Yes, Lord. God, our Father, we thank you for... Loving us so much that you allowed us to see this day. We don't want to take anything for granted, but we thank you for every pump of our heart. We thank you for every thought of our mind. We thank you for every activity of every limb that worked this morning. We thank you for raising us out of our bed and bringing us in community today. Father, we just want to invite your holy presence in this place. Holy Spirit, would you come and impact us would you come and transform us would you come and take over for we pray for your will to be done and your kingdom to come in mercy as it is in heaven it's in jesus name we pray amen 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 we're in a new series Entitled Family Matters. Yes, we named it after the 1990s TV show uh, that was aired on ABC, TGIF. Thank goodness it's Friday. Y'all remember Family Matters? Yeah, yeah. So I've been going back, looking at old like clips from episodes of, of Family Matters, and th- those clips have reminded me of actually how funny this show actually is. How uh, annoying the next door neighbor was. How awkward Steve Urkel was. You know, he was uh, uh, it, it, he was always just bursting in the house. But you know, uh, we are applying the Book of James in this series to our family. Matters to our family matters, and so, um, but it's hard. It's hard to develop a a, a healthy family. It's hard to bring your family all together on the same page when you have so many uh, challenges in your family and so many interruptions like this one. Hi, everybody. Hi, honey. Steve. Did it ever occur to you that when the door is closed, we're trying to keep unwanted people out? Why well, better lock it then? <laughs> Steve Urkel was always interrupting somebody else's family. He wasn't part of that family, you know. He was the next door neighbor's kid. But have you ever had interruptions in your life? Have you ever had interruptions in your family? Do you have an annoying neighbor that keeps coming over your house uninvited? Uh, Don't call them out or tell them that they are annoying. Just love on them. Just love on them. Smile and wave. Uh, But we want to talk about how do we build a healthy family. And uh, first of all, healthy families take work. And we're going to see that today in our text, which is the book of James, chapter number 2. So if you have your Bibles, will not you open them up, turn them on to James, brother of Jesus, chapter number 2. We're going to start at verse number 8. Uh, we'll be in the CSB version. If you have an electronic, you can switch it over to that version or you can follow on the screen or follow in your Bible and see how closely related Those versions are second chapter of James verse 8 reads indeed if you fulfill the royal law prescribed in the scriptures love your neighbor as yourself you are doing well what good is it verse number 14 I'm jumping down to what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but does not have works. Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister without clothes and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself, But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Families matter. Healthy families matter, and healthy families take work. It takes effort to make your family healthy, whether it's getting along with your spouse. Whether it is raising your kids, whether it's uh, conversing with those aunts and uncles who don't agree with how you're raising your kids. Whether it's, it's, it's getting into a conversation with those cousins and those family members who don't think like you, who didn't vote like you, who on the other side of the aisle is you. Whether it's planning the next family holiday gathering, which can be stressful if you've ever done that. Making a family healthy is hard work. And it can take sometimes what feels like a Herculean effort just to make one step forward, just to make some progress. Healthy families take work. It's not easy. But I believe that healthy families are worth the effort. I'm going to talk a little bit about theology first of this passage and then we'll go into a little bit of application all right that all right with you y'all can talk back yeah thank you now martin luther y'all know y'all heard that name before 16th century theologian and priest He, he he's he actually loved the global church family he he wanted to make church families better And so he spent a lot of time working on theology. He spent a lot of time writing. He spent a lot of time preaching to improve the church family. But when he read his Bible and he got to the book of James, he was furious. He hated the book of James. My favorite book. So we got a little issue here. Uh, Martin Luther got to the book of James and he's quoted as saying, the book of James is an epistle of straw. Strong words, right? He said the book of James is the lesser epistle. It should be at the bottom of the Bible. Legend tells us that he says that if he had his way, he would rip the book of James out of the canon and throw it away. What? makes him so so animated, so aggressive. Martin Luther, what's going on in your 16th century mind? Why do you hate the book of James so much? It's because of what we read in verse number 26. He read the line, faith without works is dead. And he couldn't synthesize the teachings that he fell in love with of the Apostle Paul with the teachings now that he's reading of the first century Jerusalem church lead pastor, James. He couldn't, he couldn't work these two things together. He didn't see how they work together. Note that he's the first theologian to ever introduce this controversy to my understanding. None of the apostles... None of the founding fathers, none of the Council of Nicaea, none of the theologians that have come before him ever had such harsh criticism or or misinterpretation of the book of James as Martin Luther did. And here's the question that you and I need to wrestle with when we come to passages like this, discrepancies like this. We need to ask ourselves, does the Bible contradict itself do writers of the scriptures contradict themselves does Paul contradict James and does James contradict Paul these are valid questions that we need to investigate because there's folks out there who will tell you that your Bible contradicts itself and they'll point out some things and you'll look at it and say oh man I didn't know so it's important to know the word for yourself do they contradict each other? Well, let me, let me pull out some scriptures. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 and 9, that for you were saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, right? Watch this, watch this, verse 9. Not from works so that no one can boast. But did James comes along in chapter 2, verse number 17, and he says, faith without works is dead. In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. Who's right? Do these two scriptures conflict with each other? Or do they meld well together? I think that we need to define a few things. First of all, we need to look at this word faith. What does the word faith mean? Faith is your belief. Faith is what you believe in. It is a a strong or welcome conviction uh, in the belief of Jesus Christ in, in a Christian context that he alone, faith alone in Jesus Christ alone will save your soul. That when you leave this body, you will get a new body and you will live eternally with the Father in the heavenly realm. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that faith, is the substance or the essence of things hoped for. It is the evidence of those things that we cannot see. Faith is a requirement of salvation. We don't get to see God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. But James, the blood brother of Jesus, the son of Mary... James, James, the leader of the first church in Jerusalem, James says in verse number 26 For just as the body is with, without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. What is work? Work is to toil, work is to labor, work is to do something, it's an act or a deed, or to get something done. Work is your effort, the effort you're putting behind something. Throughout Scripture, we have a theology of work. We can go back to the beginning. I love to to define things by going back to the beginning. What's God's original plan for work? We see in Genesis chapter number 1, the book of beginnings, that the Holy Spirit is at work. Doing work. The Holy Spirit actually is working to create the heavens and the earth. It goes on to say the Holy Spirit then separates the light from the darkness. The Spirit separates on this earth the dry land from the water. And then the spirit takes his hands and digs them down into the dirt, into the muck, into the clay, and forms out of that clay this image that he calls a man. And then he blew the breath of life into the nostrils of that human being, thereby creating a living soul. The spirit has always been at work and then transferred that work into those first human beings and gave those first human beings a job. Adam had a job. God told Adam, your job is to till the ground, right? Take care of this earth. Take care of this planet. But not only that, be fruitful and productive. Multiply. He gave him and Eve a job. Fast forward thousands of years later, and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, comes to us not on a cloud, not as ruler of all, not as uh, I'm better, I'm a snob, my nose is in the air. He comes born in a manger and grows up to be a carpenter, a blue-collar worker, God is not afraid of hard work. Matter of fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3 says that if a man doesn't work, a man shouldn't eat. What does all this all mean? <laughs> the work that you and I do is valuable to God because God is going to do something with the work that you and I do. What we do is important and valuable, and watch this, will last. What you do for Christ will last. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 tells us, be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not worthless. What you're doing right now for God is what will last. What you do for everyone else will not. Theology of work. Jesus uses the same word for work in his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So I conclude this section of the message, and say this, that James is not contradicting Paul. James is actually further explaining what Paul is trying to say. He's given us an understanding of this process that there is something called faith, that each of us, if we want to be with God forever, we need to have this faith, but our faith should be producing something. And our faith should move into works, if we truly believe. And those works should be doing something greater for God, like restoring, restoration. Our work on this planet should be restoring, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, uh, should be restoring relationships. Our work should be restoring people back to God. Our work should be restoring this world, this earth. That is falling apart. So, our faith should be producing something. Now, there's two justifications in scripture. There's one that Paul talks about, and there's the other that James is going to introduce to us. The first justification or making oneself right is a justification by faith. This is what we call salvation. This is when my soul is right with God, when I'm right, in right relationship with God through the work of Jesus Christ. My faith alone in Christ alone makes, puts me in right relationship with God. That is justification by faith. There's a second justification called justification by works. And what that justification says is that you cannot earn your salvation by what you do. You have to believe in order to get salvation. But your works don't take you to heaven. Your works bring heaven to earth. What you do on this planet is the fulfillment of God, of Jesus' prayer, what we call the Lord's prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Comes through you and me. This world is transformed by what we do not just by what we believe. Ah, Your faith needs to produce something. When our faith is not married to works, our faith dies. When our faith is not animated by works, it's not vibrant. Our Christianity is useless without work, without effort. And that's the problem, or the perceived problem, with our current Christian culture, right? The culture on the outside looks in the windows of the church and looks at Christians, those who proclaim this name Christian, and they look at us and say, your work does not match your faith. And therefore, I want nothing to do with you. Because I love that Jesus guy. He seems to be pretty cool. But your Christians, that's what Gandhi said. I would have been a Christian, but your Christians kicked me out of their church. And so Gandhi may not make it to heaven. We'll see when we get there. Because of Christians who didn't represent the Christ well. Your faith is important, folks. Our Christianity is useless when it's disconnected from faith. So James, I believe, is clarifying what faith actually is and what it actually looks like. Our faith should lead to works, which should lead to restoration, which lead to redemption. So what in the world does this have to do with family? <laughs> Gary, why are you up here telling us all these, this Theology, you got all into this debate between Paul and James and what Martin Luther's talking about. What does that have to do with my house? Everything. Your family, watch this, is your primary congregation. Phil Chorley and pastor of the North uh, 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 Jersey Vineyard, he, he pulled me aside one day and he was like, how are you taking care of your family? you always here at the Syracuse venue. What are you doing for your wife? How much time are you spending with your daughter? Your faith without works is dead. Your declaration of your faith will be tested in your family before it's ever tested in your church family. How are you going to act when your family gets out of control? Have you ever seen those phony I mean, uh, those, those, uh, those uh, holier-than-thou Christians that want to come to church like everything is well. They got the smile on their face. they dress so nice. They're holding their spouse's hand, yet they just had a fight with them in the car. They just screamed out on their kids because their kids were running them late. They, they just, you know, and, and all of us are in that boat, but we come in with, with the phony Right? Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, is your faith going to be represented in your day to day? Are you going to be the same human being Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday? Or are you going to be a different person, an inconsistent person on different days of the week? What kind of person are you going to be? That impacts and affects our family. Jesus is not asking us to be perfect people. But he is asking if we will be radically obedient enough. The devil don't want me to talk. I can can yell louder if I need to. But he wants to know if we're going to be obedient people, radically obedient people to be transformed from the inside out. Guess what? You're, you're, uh, uh, um, you can't change by just forcing yourself to change. You can't be the person God wants you to be just by saying, I'm going to be good today. Oh, I'm going to grind it out. No, you submit yourself to Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. You got to change this and this, and then that changes all of this. So this is what I'm getting at. Something practical. How do we then show our families our faith how do we show our families uh, that we uh, uh, love them and believe in them like Jesus loves and believes in us how in the world do we make this work this put this faith into action and make it uh, actionable in our family lifestyles there's three things that I think that James is introducing to us through this actual chapter of chapter 2 read it for yourself when you leave here today the whole chapter But number one, I think James wants us to, in our families, show up. Your presence is powerful. The most powerful possession you have is your presence. Nothing takes place of your presence. Are you showing up when your family needs you? Are you showing up to your kids' games and activities? Are you showing up to dinner? Do your kids really know that you love them? Do your kids really know that you believe in them? If you're unsure, ask yourself, am I showing up? for them. When am I showing up for them? Where am I showing up for them? How often am I showing up for them? Do they see me present? There are some things that seem insignificant to me as a husband and as a dad, but to my daughter and to my wife, they are absolutely essential. And I have to change. And I have to show up. For them to see my love. Listen, I used to be a high school wrestler. Many of you know that. And I used to hate when I knew I was going to lose. I I, I just hate losing. But I would hate when I knew that my opponent was better than me and my mother showed up. Oh, my soul. (laughs) I'll never forget my first wrestling match. I knew it wasn't going to be a good one. It was my first one. I show up on the mat with my little singlet on, you know, all the tighties. And I get out there on on the mat and I get taken down. And this guy is cleaning the mat with my face. I'm the mop, you know, he's just dragging me around. And, and I'm just getting my, my, my tail whooped. I'm, I'm embarrassed, right? And out of all the hundreds of people that was in the stands, there was so many people in the stands, and there was this one high-pitched little teeny uh, voice in the middle of the crowd that was saying, my baby, my baby. <laughs> my four years in high school, I never lived that down. Those dudes never let me let that. He's like, your mama going to show up and say my baby this week? But through the good and through the bad, my mother was there. At my graduations, at, 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 my, at my successes and my failures, my mother was there. And even when I didn't want her to be there, she was there. Like, get out of here, Mama. I'm trying to act a fool, and you're there. <laughs> but you know what? As I look back over my life, there's one person that there is no question whether they love me or not because she was there. Think about your life. Is there someone who has always been there for you? No matter where you were, no matter if you were in a hospital room or out uh, uh, doing your best at your best sporting event or on the stage singing your heart out, was there somebody who was always there? Now, on the flip side of that, was there somebody who was never there? Was there somebody you wish that was there? And every time you looked up, they were nowhere to be found. I bring up those memories for this. How will you allow those memories, the positive and the negative, to impact how you are present with your family right now? There's another thing that I believe James is introducing to us is that he not only wants us to show up, but he also wants us to speak up. Is there an issue of uh, uh, going on in your family or with those around you? Is there uh, uh, an issue of injustice or abuse or, or, or mistreatment or, or being treated unfair? Anything going on in your family? I believe that James wants us to speak up. To not sweep it under the rug, to not act like it doesn't exist, but to use the voice and the power of the voice that God has given you to say something when you see something. Jesus gives us a great example of this. He gives us his mission statement in uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. When you see injustice, are you speaking good news? Or are you speaking bad news? Uh, When someone is down and out and and being mistreated or or, or going the wrong way, are you speaking good news? Are you gossiping? Uh, Are you, uh, what are you doing with the mouth and the power that God has put in your mouth? The power that's in your words. Your words are powerful, folks. Whether you know it or not, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says that death and life are in the power of your tongue. Your words hold a lot of weight. The question is, what are you doing with your words? Are you speaking up? Listen, I have a, a little exercise that I want you to do. Can everybody, everybody who has a mobile device, would you, would you grab that mobile device? of the population in America has a mobile device, so pull your mobile device out. Stop acting like you don't have it. (laughs) What I want you to do, open up your message app, like text messages. And right now, what I want you to do is think of someone in your life, your family, Distant family, cousin in them, best friend, neighbor, someone in your life who could use a word of encouragement right now. Is there anyone in your life who could use some word from you right now? Type their name in, and right now, I want you to send them an encouraging word. What if it's 150, 200 people in here? If 150 to 200 people right now in this city got an encouraging word, what do you think that would do to their day? And if they multiplied that and did that again, what do you think that would do for our communities and our city? We well, send them an encouraging word right now? Uh, uh, some of you looking at me crazy like, I don't have an encouraging word. Let me give you some examples or you just copy this. Say, say, say you're special. I'm thinking about you. Say, uh, 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 you're an inspiration to me. You can make it. You have more to give. You have not been counted out. I believe in you. Keep your head up. Better days are ahead. Choose any one of those. Or make up your own and just send it right now and bless someone's life by speaking up. Finally, last thing, and y'all can listen to me while you're still typing, is this. So know my time is up. Number three, I believe that James wants us to stand up. Not only to show up, not only to speak up, but to stand up. If we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. I think James is communicating to us that we need to not only believe something, we need to do something. We all need to do something. We need to uh, take some action, some act of love. Have you ever done something good for someone? Maybe for someone who could never repay you back? How do you feel when you finish doing that? I know how I feel alive. I feel good. I feel like God can use me without it being a transaction. I believe that God wants to use us to do something today. So here's my question: How can you stand up for someone today? How can you stand up for someone this week? Who's down and out? Who's having a hard time? Who's discouraged? Who who needs something from you? And how can you use the gifts that God has given you to stand up for them? That's what I wanted you to take from this message today, that our faith is great, but if that faith is just your faith, it it does no good for the people around you. Your faith without actual work is dead. But I believe that we can stand up today. I believe that we have plenty of areas that we can stand up. We can stand up for our family. We can stand up with our family. We can stand up by showing up. We can stand up by speaking up. We can stand up by being a mentor to a teen who needs someone positive in their lives right now. And if you are interested in helping out a teen or being that good example for a teen, I want you on your Connect card to write youth on your Connect card because Pastor Leo would love to reach out to you this week to see how you can get involved and help our youth, help our teens from here and around the city to be a better example for them. Maybe you can stand up uh, by being a teacher or helping a child out, being a great example of Jesus in a child's life. If you are interested in uh, being an example of a standing up for a child, I want you to write kids on your connect card. Because Pastor Atai Pastor, uh, would love to connect with you to get you involved, to connect with some kids so that you could be a positive example in a kid's life. So they never walk away from Jesus to Christ. I believe that we can do it. I believe that we can stand up. I believe that we can take some time out of our lives to make sure that our families, our friends, our church families are healthy. I want to encourage you to do something about it. I want to encourage you that it's not all on that other person. It's not all on your spouse. It's not all on your kids to get themselves together, but it's on you too. We need to work together. James is informing us that Jesus wants us to do good work for the people that are around us. The people around us can experience the love of Jesus. They can experience and understand that Jesus Christ is real if we invest time in them. One thing I need to work on is not being uh, uh, so exhausted when I get home from work. When I get home from work, (laughs) after being here some days (laughs) for 12, 13 hours, I just want to go home and sit on the couch. But every time I walk through that door and my daughter runs and charges me and hits me like Ray Lewis. (laughs) Greatest linebacker that ever lived from the Baltimore Ravens. I'm just (laughs) putting that out there. I'm reminded that this is my primary job. Being a dad and being a husband to my wonderful wife. How am I going to put in the work this week? Would you grab your connect card? At the bottom of your Connect card that you already started filling out, there is a line that says, my next step. I want to ask you to take a next step with me this week. Is there a family member or someone in your church family, someone around who needs your attention this week? I want you to make a commitment. Will I stand up, speak up, or show up for them this week? If you're willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to stand up for someone? How do you want me to speak up for someone? How do you want me to show up for someone this week? If you're willing to do that, would you just write the word yes on that line? And I believe that God will show you without a doubt this week. If you make that commitment, he will shine a light on a person or something that he wants you to do. And he's going to do something miraculous in that. If you would, would you make that commitment and just write the word yes on that line? It's your commitment before you and God. Say, God, show up and show me how to show up this week.